0: This is Beth, along with the great Dr. Clitheroe. We are here for a brand new episode of A Healthier View. Scott, how are you doing?
1: I am doing great, Beth. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. I'm just trying to survive this Texas heat.
1: (laughs) This is when the rubber hits the road, so to speak, right? It gets hot.
0: Yes, it gets sweltering. You wake up at four in the morning and you could just feel the heat like, yeah, just out there waiting for the day. So, Scott, I am pretty excited about today's show.
1: Me too. Me too. I'm really excited to get to know this guy.
0: I know. Have you seen the show alone before?
1: No, but after reading his bio and looking at his websites, I really want to watch it. It looks fantastic. It's a little different than Naked and Afraid, but both of them show their contestants um, in quite difficult situations for sure. We'd like to thank our guest, Dave McIntyre, for being here today. Dave began his career as a Christian school teacher before he was called to do missionary work in Belo Horizonte, which is in Brazil. From 1999 to 2012, he served there as a youth pastor and a church planter. He also founded the Per Ardua Wilderness Ministry, which used jungle survival training as a springboard for leadership and spiritual development. In 2015, Some of you may know that Dave was one of the 10 contestants on season two of the History Channel's hit survival series, Alone. After 66 days living off the land in the wilderness of Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada, his daughter surprises him in camp to tell him that he had won the entire competition. Dave is thrilled with his new position as international director at Set Free Ministries, which is based in Grand Rapids, Michigan where he is able to put his years of experience in Christian education and mission work um, in the areas in Uganda, Kenya, India, and the Dominican Republic. So we are just so happy to have you, Dave. Welcome to A Healthier View.
2: Well, thanks for inviting me to come talk to you.
0: Yay. you know, Dave, I think your story is relevant to so many of our listeners out there, because we all want to have an adventure of some sort. I mean, we carry hopes and our childhood dreams with us. But Sometimes for many people, they feel like they'll never achieve them. And that can be heartbreaking. And for you, from what I've read in preparation of this interview, you really walk the walk and talk the talk. So can you give our audience a little background on the show Alone and then tell us why you decided to go on the show?
2: Um, Alone is a last person standing. I wasn't going to say last man standing, but there are uh, plenty of women. Right. (laughs) Um, It's a last person standing wilderness survival competition, whereby they take uh, 10 people and they put them out in the wilderness uh, completely separated from each other. You're out there completely by yourself. There's no camera crew. Uh, You have a very limited set of uh, equipment. You have to choose 10 items uh, that you can take with you uh, off a list of 40 items that they give you. yeah, there's no no food, no resupply, no contact with the outside world, no camera crew following you around, and you're out there filming yourself surviving, living off the land for as long as you can stand it. And uh, you have a satellite phone, you can call them at any time and tap out and ask them to come pick you up, and they they do that if not immediately as soon as uh, humanly possible. And uh, yeah, the last person uh, out there wins a half million dollars. So there's some incentive there to to stick with it.
0: Right. Yeah
1: how was your daily routine i mean yeah that's amazing 66 days um did you did you have a plan that you tried to stick to or did you did you know did you have a routine
2: wilderness survival is kind of like uh combat you know all Hmm. no plan survives contact with the enemy you know get out into the you can imagine how it's going to be like i had never been on the west coast of british columbia ever i'd never set foot on the pacific coast so for me, it was going into a completely alien environment and figuring it out, you know, patterning the wildlife and figuring out how to get fed. You know, you do have some priorities. Uh, shelter, fire and water are your number one uh, priorities, yeah. uh, to allow you the stability to stay there. And then you've got to figure out how to get fed because you've got about three weeks to a month of body reserves that you can, you're going to starve down on. Uh, uh, and if you don't solve that problem within three weeks to a month, you're, you're probably not going to solve it. So that's the, uh, that's the plan is to get a roof, dry roof over your head and clean water and a fire going. And then after that, figure out how you're going to eat.
0: Wow. That's incredible. You know, well, Dave, I know you had to get pretty creative out there with only 10 items to help you survive 66 days. I mean, I personally think that creativity is one of the most amazing aspects of our existence. I mean, you know, creativity is a state when we're free and connect to that inner child within us. Um... But I would think in your case, in your time living off the land, you had to dig deep and get pretty creative with your survival skills, let go of perfection and the need to control everything.
2: Uh, yeah, well, you're not going to control everything. I mean, wilderness, right. is, wilderness is wilderness right now because it's already kicked human beings out. I mean, every place on the planet that was easy to settle is already settled. And the places that are still wilderness are there, are wilderness still because they're not, there's something wrong with them okay there's yeah. something going on there that just makes it difficult to settle in and uh that's you know vancouver island is is one such place i mean the the natives uh that live there the first nations that live there they got so much food out of their environment they actually took the winter off wow and they would just throw lavish parties you know and 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 how much you could give away was the status of your uh, that's how they measured wealth um now th- that that said that same culture uh also used the the solo survival experience as a rite of passage for their young men that they would tell their young men to go out in the summertime and and if they came back before 30 days they hadn't really put in the effort and, oh, but wow. they would go out solo for about 30 days and uh yeah i went back a year and a half after my experience there and uh talked to some of the the elders there uh at the the Quattino, uh, elders and they highly respected what we did out there as a cast, you know living on their land and uh you know with their permission, we were on uh Quatsino first Nations land out there, and they highly respected what we did um so yeah they they're 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 like I have their approval, so I don't need anyone else's commentary on, on right out there I really don't care because you know they're uh yeah w- one of their elders actually came up and gave me a very favorable opinion of my performance out there. So I was very happy with that.
0: Oh, oh that's sure. fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Now, is that like a rite of passage for the boys and girls or just the boys out there in that in that area? You know, I,
2: I don't know if historically they did it with the girls as well. But, you know, you, you have these young men, they're like 18 years old and they think they got the world by the tail and they know how to do everything. And they, they put them out there outside of the community. Okay, on their own, and they have to just learn what it is to live in that place without anyone's help. And they would come back from this humbled, you know, and, and realize that okay, the, the way the community does things is right, and I need to fit in with this because they they get, like I said they harvested so much food from their their ocean there that they would take the winter off, and that was a collective effort, and all of their lifetime education was geared towards getting food out of that that environment. And here we come in as a, as a total stranger having never even experienced that environment, there's a lot of resources there, but you have to, you know, to go from zero to well-fed in a matter of weeks is a a very difficult task, no matter where you go in the world. Uh, You know, people think that, well, I could, I could go off in my home 40, you know, my my back 40 uh, woods here and survive live off the land. That's probably true for a lot of, a lot of people that are skilled, but now you got to transport that into a place that you've never been, and that's mm-hmm. the challenge of alone. Because my my experience is all in Central Brazil's jungle and eastern woodlands of the United States. You know, and for me to just plunk down on the Pacific Coast there, you know, I didn't even know the names of the the fish I was catching.
3: Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Did, did you, did, did you said something earlier that was really intriguing about how, you know, your reserves were there when you first started this challenge. And, and, uh, did, does that imply that you, did you lose some weight during this, um, 66 uh, days?
2: Yes. Yes. I did lose some weight a little bit, a little bit, right. Yeah. You no, know, I, I went out, um, I normally weigh about 190 pounds and I went out, I think I was 198. When I mm-hmm. went out, um, I tried to gain as much muscle mass and body fat as I could before I went out and I, you know, cause you are going to, that, that is a huge reserve that the body has for survival is just to eat yourself. You
3: know, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: you can't, you can't ration water, but you can ration food, you know, so you're going to eat your body. Um, going out overweight is a good strategy. Mm-hmm. And I did, but um, I lost 35 pounds in the first five weeks that I was wow. out there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. About a pound a day for the first, that first time. And then uh, at, at about the halfway point, Uh, I started getting into a lot of crabs, uh, Northern kelp crabs and really dialed in my fishing uh, techniques and and locations. So by the end of it, I was actually regaining weight. I had had gained several pounds over what I had uh, my maximum weight loss. So I was, I was, I felt like I had turned a corner on survival. I was my second month out there. I ate a lot better than I did my first
1: month. Wow. You know, Beth and I talk a lot about, you know, obviously nutrition is an important part of health and Fasting and how that kind of fits into people's you know weight plans and you know it's, it's a pretty popular topic. I, I'm just curious at at times. I'm sure you were you were hungry at times where you couldn't satisfy that hunger. And maybe I'm wrong, but if I'm right, ha, ha, can you give the listeners any tips or how did you incorporate the? Is there is there a spiritual connection that you would use when you were hungry and maybe not feeling too comfortable?
2: Um. Well, the the hunger. The, when, you, when you're in a lot of people know what hunger feels like but very mm-hmm. few people have ever experienced actual starvation yeah
3: mm-hmm. and
2: that's the that's what what i was facing out there all all yeah. the contestants on the loan are facing starvation and many not many several have been uh medically evacuated because of body mass index failure wow if you get below certain bmi they they pull you and uh which is tragic. I mean, I, I practically weep with them when I see that happening on the show. Yeah. But uh, for me, <clears throat> you know, the first three days I had like a splitting headache and you know that massive fatigue and that gnawing feeling of hunger. But that goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, the headache goes away. The the, the feelings of the, the pain of hunger goes away, and you're just at a very low metabolism. You're just, just lacking energy and things like that. Um, that was pretty much my first month of learning how to, to feed myself. There, um, I had an emergency ration. I had substituted my last one item of gear from that item of t- that 10 uh, items for uh, five pounds of pemmican, which mm. is a native American like superfood. It's, it's dried, dried beef. I use bison, but dried bison, which has been powdered and then mixed with 15% berry powder and 15, 85% meat powder, and then saturated with rendered fat, which I use, wow. when, uh, I use suet. So it sets up like a hard block. And if I went, I at one point I went 96 hours, you know, four full days without anything to eat, and I was pretty much circling the drain. Mm
3: -hmm. And so I broke
2: down and I ate a one-sixth pound portion of my pemmican, and I I made it in like a soup, cooked it out in a soup with some seaweed, and and I wept when I took that first bite because it felt like this is what a starving person feels like when you finally give them food. I I I just I, I got it. You know what I mean? It just felt like such an act of mercy. So I decided that. Uh, 48 hours was my emergency cutoff. If I had been fasting for 48 hours, I would eat a one-sixth pound portion of that, and that would reset my clock on fasting, which is, you know, it's a pretty sparse meal when you look at it. It's just, you know, it's not much. But, you know, so the next day, if I didn't get anything, I would, you know, uh, start that clock. But if the next day I caught a couple fish, then that would reset the clock. So I never went more than 48 hours after that. Um, I did come out with uh, over two pounds of it, two and one six pounds of that five pounds, so I still had a good reserve of that at the end. Um, you, know, you go through phases, you have these incredible cravings. I was just craving meat and fat, you know, fried chicken, ribs, just you get like KFC <laughs> on the brain and you just yeah get <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 That's where your body's basically eating protein and fat at that point. you're in total like ketosis, and <laughs> your body's feeding on that. That's why I took pemmican because I knew if I was in ketosis, my body needed protein and fat. So that's what I was eating. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even in my dreams, I would dream about food at night. I'd I'd be in the supermarket filling up a cart or I'd be at 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 the table with my kids eating dinner. And you wake up in the morning and you realize you got nothing. You know, and you didn't have anything yesterday either. And It it was hard, but I. at the end, the, the second month, even my dreams changed. I would dream about nature. I, was, I would be fishing and catching a lot of fish or you know, hauling in some huge crab or something. And my, my dreams were just me getting fed out there in the wilderness. I stopped dreaming about outside food.
0: Stop dreaming about the KFC. Yeah, that's interesting. That's incredible. Yeah,
2: I didn't, I didn't, even, didn't even cross my mind
0: yeah I'd probably be dreaming about taco Bell. that's kind of my my advice, but um, <laughs> you know, um Dave, during your time alone, I know that you really relied on your faith and your spirituality with prayer. um I mean, for me, there's a kind of meditation like quality to prayer and journaling. I mean, it's a way of um getting still and quiet with yourself and holding that essential question. I mean, we all know that burning question. Why am I here? What am I doing with my life? And I'm making a difference. It's like asking in a spiritual way for guidance and wisdom, which are so important, but how did your faith and your spirituality help you not only prepare, but also get through those sixty six 60s?
2: Wow. Yeah. That's an excellent question. Um, I, I, yeah, a little bit of background. Um, I had lost my career as a missionary in Brazil when my, my wife uh, decided to we were getting a divorce, and mm-hmm. I came back to Michigan. I was no longer in the ministry. Uh, <clears throat> I got a regular job inspecting foreclosed homes, had that for a while, then that, that company folded. Um, by the time I got to the island on a loan, I had no money in my bank account. Uh, I'd spent all my money on gear for the show. Um, my Jeep was totaled two days before I left for the Island. Um, was oh. rear ended about 45 miles an hour. Um, my daughter moved into my apartment. I had, I had nothing.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I get out there to the Island and I remember praying. It was like day six. I said, Lord, you, you have, you've taken everything away from me at this point. I mean, there, I have nothing. I've got no money. You know, I said, the only thing I have left to lose is my life and my health. And you put me in the highest concentration of cougars and black bears on the planet. <laughs> I said, Obviously, obviously you're doing something here and whatever you're doing, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it because obviously you brought me to this place and he proceeded to starve me down to nothing. And mm-hmm. I remember on, you know, there's two ways to get fed in the bush. You can, you can actively hunt and fish, which, you know, you have to be the main participant in that, or you can passively hunt and fish, which is making traps and, and, uh, setting hooks in the water and nets and things like that. And, uh, every passive fishing thing that I, I set up was just being torn down. There was just, the, the conditions were just horrible for it. I lost seven hooks in my first two weeks of the 25 that I had. It was, uh, I actually made a second gill net and I would set these things up and they just get filled with kelp or knocked down. And I went out on day 30 and my, my entire gill net setup up had collapsed during the night and rolled itself into a ball in the surf. And Oh my goodness. I. I was just so angry. I wanted to throw it into the forest and just walk Uh away from it. And I remember I picked up this giant ball of net and there's a gigantic Northern kelp crab tangled up in that ball of net. So I've got to untangle this thing. So I'm untangling and untangling this thing. And I'm thinking, man, this is so, I was just really angry saying I am doing everything I've taught other people to do Yeah. and wave after wave of destruction is just tearing this thing down. And it's like a light bulb went off in my head. It's like, this is your life, dude. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, here, here I am trying to, to, to live for God and do the right thing and all this. And, and you know, I've been a pastor, a teacher, a missionary, all the, you know, obviously from anyone's outside objective look at me, it's like, yeah, this guy wants to serve God. And the Lord had brought me to here, to nothing, where I'm now even starving to death.
3: Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
2: And it just, it was just all of a sudden <clears throat> I could deal with me. It's like he right. starved me down. He broke me to where I could see my own contribution in the failings of my marriage and my ministry and all that and repent of those things and confess them to him and get, ask him to forgive me. And he did. And he led me through this process that, that day on this rainy beach on Vancouver Island of just repenting and getting things right with him, clearing out the junk. Okay. And wow. one by one, I just let those things go, and he forgave me for those things. I just experienced his grace, you know, and he, it's like he gave me a five minute break and then I look down and there's this whole other bucket of rot and it was people. There were people that had done horrific things to, to me and my family, things that people go to jail for. I'm not going to go into details, but mm-hmm. you know, horrible stuff had been done to us, uh, criminal stuff. And, yeah. uh, I had to forgive these people. I mean, the Lord had just forgiven me. And
3: right. one
2: by one, he brought these people up and what ha- what had happened. And I had to feel all that rage and, you know, all the things that, had, that they had done and let them go because I had just been received forgiveness. So who am I to get in the way of God forgiving them if that's what he decides to do? <laughs> and one by one, I forgave these people and let them go. People that I thought I had forgiven, too. You know, that right. you, know, you, you mentally forgive people because you think, you know, it's the right thing to do, but to not really process what had happened, you know, and. and the weight of the things that had been done to me, you know, but one by one, I, I gave these people over to him. And I tell you what, when that process was done, I was light as a feather. I was just internally. It was just like, I didn't have anything to deal with anymore on the inside. It was just me and him and this beautiful beach and you know, the wilderness and everything. And that's the point where he turned the food back on. That's the point where I started catching, catching fish on a regular basis. I, I, the, I, take that, I took that crab back to my shelter, and I cooked it up. made a big production out of cooking this giant crab, and it was so good. I mean, it was, it's crab. You know, there's, there's, there's huge crabs. And, yeah. and I'm yeah. eating this crab, and I said, Lord, when I get out of here, I am going to an all-you-can-eat crab place. I'm going to pig out on crabs. They're going to lose money on me. And it was just amazing. And a couple, a couple days later, I'm out there fishing, and I, I actually caught six gigantic northern kelp crabs with a hook and a line. And that's on the, that's on the, one of the episodes there of me catching all these crabs. And mm-hmm. I had my all you could eat crab feast right there. It's like he said, oh, yeah, we didn't even take you home for that. We got crabs to surrounded by millions of crabs here. That's wow. beautiful. It, that, that's how it was. But one, one of the things I, I learned, are a couple things, I'd be sitting there fishing, beautiful day, you know, I'll be fishing and having this you know, great time and filming and everything. I'll be thinking about some horrible thing that happened in the past. I like, why, why am I doing that? Why did I go back to that day and bring it into this perfectly good day where I'd be sitting there worried about something in the future and missing out on the experience that I was I was actually in? And I said, you know, why run off into the past and grab a horrible day and bring it into a day which is perfectly acceptable or run off into the future and grab a horrible imaginary day, which might happen someday, and bring it into this and feel all that tension and anxiety? You know, I can't do anything about the past, and the future hasn't got here yet. There'll be grace to go through that as well. Just enjoy where you were at. You know and, and live in the moment and learn to to be fully where i was that was one of the huge lessons for me out there spiritually was just to take right now for what it is right now is the only time i can affect my survival right now is the only time i can influence what's going on in my life right now is extremely important and not to run off in the be stuck in the past or you know lost off in the future um the other thing was that i, I and i knew this before but um Really got hammered home out there, is that God gives us strength in the now, right now, as we mm-hmm. depend upon Him. He doesn't give us strength to like a blank check. You're going to go, oh, you got to go through chemotherapy. Here's all the strength you're going to need to do that. He doesn't do that. He gives you strength in the right now as you depend upon Him, in the moment, now. There's strength. Okay, mm-hmm. He wants us to be dependent upon Him, but fully dependent upon Him, and to really lean in on Him and 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 just trust Him for everything we need. But right now is the only time he's given us. You know, he doesn't give me tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. He's giving me right now. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing is to, to draw on his strength right now for what I need right now, do the right thing right now. I mean, there were times I would get back to my shelter, I have a couple of fish I'd have to cook. And I was just overwhelmed, even at the prospect of getting back to my camps. I was so hungry. It might've been two days since I'd eaten. And standing there, having to make a fire and split wood and all these mm. things, and it's just you overwhelming. Like I, I can't do this. You know? And I, I just say, Lord, could You do this for me? And yeah. I'd be like, He just talked me right through it and gave me the strength moment by moment. And that's something which has stuck with me. That it's a lesson I don't ever want to forget. Like I don't want to run off in my life and be independent from God. I want to do what He His will. I want to do His will, but with His power and with His with His grace, because He gives that abundantly.
1: That's Have beautiful. you found, uh, I mean, it, it seems that staying connected to God and, and in, in a moment by moment basis helps stay in the present. And what you're saying is so beautiful. Have you found it more difficult as you get back into a, the real world, so to speak, you know, with all of its emails and texts and traffic and noise. I mean, how do you, how did you bridge that, can that moment by moment connection where you lived in the now stay connected to God? How, any, any, Tips, any difficulties you found when you got back to the real world, quote unquote.
2: Yeah, sometimes I think it's it's easier in a way living out there on the island, it was an extremely selfish way to live. You mm. have no one there. It's yeah. just you. If I find food, I can eat it all by myself. You know, I don't yeah. have to share with anybody, I don't have to care for anybody else's needs. In a way, it's a very selfish yet artificial way to live because you don't, you know, the only person you have to take care of is yourself and you're allowed to use all the resources as you see fit, you know, and, and make all the decisions. And, and of course, all the burdens on you as well. But by coming back into, you know, the the life of my family and, and friends and things like that, I always was kind of a loner. I, hmm. I'm, I'm very comfortable in my own skin and I'm very good on my own. I mean, obviously I won alone, <laughs> but it, it, it's, you know, that's, that's part of who I am. But at the, at the same time, uh, staying connected with God, it's like, I wish there was some other way I could, I could learn to walk with him without stress, Mm. you know, because it's the stress that that forces us back uh, into that, that, that level of dependence, you know, and that's like the value of suffering in our lives. It forces us to, to look to God. It brings us to the end of ourselves. There's, there's a value in that. Um, And, and in learning to depend upon him, like I said on the show, that, that, that there's, he's trying to teach me something. And when you get through that with him, the strength that he that you you got in that in that uh, circumstance you get to keep, you know it's All like right. he, you got to fix your car so you go out and buy the tools and you need to fix your car when the problem's gone you still got the tools, you know, yeah. and that's that's how spiritual growth is that he will bring you into situations which are beyond you which are are difficult for you to go through so that you will learn to depend upon him and, you know it's just a different set of circumstances here in my life now like. My job as international director is set free. There's a myriad of people I have to deal with, situations which are beyond my control. And I have to say, okay, he's called me to deal with this situation and, you know, trust him in it, ask him for solutions and uh, just see his hand in all these things. And he shows himself faithful uh, when we depend upon him, when we rely on him. Uh, It takes, you know, I don't have to be God. Mm. You know, that's, yeah. how, how many of us are trying to, we exert ourselves, we expend all this emotional energy trying to be God, trying to mm. control things which are ultimately totally beyond our control. And I, I've learned not to do that. I've learned, okay, the things that look like they might be a setback usually have a purpose going forward, working, uh, work, they work out for the good. And to just rest in that and trust that, you know, I'm doing the right thing in my right now you know, through his strength and, and, according to, you know, his, his word and I'm just going to be obedient in my right now and just trust him that tomorrow's going to, I'm going to be where I need to be.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, I saw that time and time again on the Island. It was just what I, what I think is a lot of these lessons I learned as a missionary going through some extremely difficult circumstances and that I got to take those lessons to the Island where he just gave me this beautiful illustration of how it all plays out. So that's, that's I. Uh, The way I see it, Um, people say, oh, you must have learned these things when you are out there on the island. It's like, no, he just he just hammered them home and put them on on video. (laughs)
0: yeah yeah you know Dave you have such a great spirit and energy about you and from my point of view I think that when people have great energy and are open to possibilities they can contribute the most beautiful parts of themselves to the world and really make a difference and when we spoke earlier this week you told me that you just got back from an overseas trip so can you tell us about your church your missions and the work you do in under in um, parts of the world that's underserved?
2: Uh, okay. Um, I just got back from uh, Uganda. It was my first trip to Africa, actually, my first trip out of the Americas. I've been from Alaska to Chile and all points in between, but never been uh, east or west. So, yeah, I was uh, in Uganda for a week visiting uh, 13 schools. Well, we, we partner with 13 schools. They're uh, set free, trains, and pays their teachers. And uh, we have a, a wonderful staff there in East Africa that uh, works with uh, school teachers and administrators, uh, training them and discipling them. And uh, I get I get to work with with those folks who then are the heroes of the story who go out into the villages and and work with these uh, very rural schools. I mean, one of the schools was so out there. We, I, we the guy I was with counted We went through 23 places where the, our, our land cruiser was pretty much swimming uh, down this road to get there, uh, several hours on dirt road to get to this place where you're in a village where the little kids had never even seen a, a white person before in real life.
3: You know, uh-huh. it's just,
2: just amazing. Um, yeah, I get to, I get to work with these school kids. Uh, half 50% of the population of Uganda is under 15 years old. Oh, wow. Wow. Let that sink in for a sec. I mean, half their country is children. Half. And if, if we're not working with with young people there, uh, you know they they need help. And you know I'm not coming in as the great white savior or anything like that. I've got a team of, of Ugandans which are just fantastic, and I'm just privileged to be able to work with them. But this was a, a time it was a meet and greet and get to understand some of the uh, the culture of what's going on there in Uganda, so I can help them better. But we have a, an orphanage in Kenya. We have uh, 13 schools in Uganda, uh, a drug rehab. Um, in Northern India, a prison ministry in Northern India, and also a orphanage, about 500 kids uh, in the state of Mizoram up in uh, north uh, Northeast India. And we have a prison ministry in the Dominican Republic. And I get to work with the people that are working uh, in those those different efforts. So yeah, that's what I get to do now. And I'm just thrilled uh, at my new job.
0: That's oh, amazing. I can tell. Now, Scott, what about Doctors Without Borders and those locations that Dave was just talking about? Do they have a big presence there? Would you know?
1: There are many, many different, you know, medical um, organizations that provide care throughout the world. Doctors Without Borders, of course, is a well-known one, but there are uh, other, uh, you know, there there are other ones that are faith-based and there are some that are not, you know, and um, and they do great work and they seem to coordinate really well. When I was in Haiti, I know there was Multiple different entities working, and of course, the medical uh, entities need to work with the folks that are providing more infrastructure um, and education, like Dave's associated with. So, yeah, there are plenty out there, and I think that's um, again, it's wonderful. And I've found personally that it helps me as much as I feel like I'm helping them. It's it's I know it's not it's not selfish, but. I don't know how you feel, Dave, but boy, I get so much out of that. And and it seems, I'm sure you get a ton out of that, even though you're giving so much to these folks, I'm sure you're getting just as much back.
2: Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's rewarding. Someone once told me when I was a missionary, before I was a missionary in Brazil, the only two things in this world that are eternal are people and the word of God. And Hmm. if your life is invested in connecting those two, that it's going to count for eternity. And that's, Hmm. that's what I've seen. You know, the generational impact of, of the gospel and, you know i'm i'm looking at i'm looking at at uganda and seeing okay we're we're building the first generation of of kids there which uh will never take their kid to a witch doctor you know and get mm-hmm. involved in in that kind of thing the, the witchcraft is permeates uh Ugandan society mm-hmm. and the church is pulling out of that you'll have pastors there that when their their child gets sick they'll take them to a witch doctor for for healing and it's you know all kinds of uh, horrible things happen as a result of that mm-hmm. and uh, i get to I get to work with these kids and and show them the love of of Christ, the word of God and, and work with the, well, I'm not working directly with the school kids, but I'm working with the people that are, and that, and seeing the benefit of that discipleship in their lives has been incredible. Uh, Just the change that that comes about in their lives and the, the order and the structure and just the, just the the physical, mental and spiritual health that comes uh, when God gets a hold of a life.
1: Yeah. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about set free ministries I mean that sounds just fantastic what, what, it sounds like y'all do a lot of obviously you're, in, you're helping with the international ministry what what do they do y'all provide for like maybe our listeners is there uh,
2: well set free um, we are we are a freedom ministry where basically mm-hmm. it's it's a ministry to to the church okay, okay where whereby people can uh, come in and they'll sit for a few hours with one of our teams and just go through, uh, like an inventory of their life and just get like, like what the Lord did for me on that beach mm-hmm. of going through their lives. And we have, we use what's called the seven steps to freedom, where it's just an inventory of your life where you go through different areas where you might've been involved in sin in, in the past and just repenting of these things and getting them right with God. And it's something that every believer should be doing every day anyway, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: so much, many of us just don't do that. Um, my own daughter had, you know, the, the she had some really serious health issues and uh, she just went through a freedom appointment um, about a, a month ago. And I mean, she was so bad health wise. I'd take her out shopping Well, she had to quit her job and move in with me because she wasn't able to take care of herself anymore. Right. And uh, she went through a freedom appointment there set free. And uh, it was so bad. We go, we go shopping at Walmart. She'd be in bed for like two days trying to recover.
3: Wow. And, uh,
2: she, her health has turned around 100% like a total 180 to the point where she's taken up gardening and landscaping now. And uh, she just got a fantastic new job doing exactly what she's been trained to do, making mm-hmm. more than she ever made and working from home. Like I can hear in the, in my office there <laughs> working, right now, but, working from home um, where I'll do it. Her, yeah. Her health turned around hundred, 180 degrees because she was able to resolve all that internal conflict that she had she'd been holding on to. You know, people, people have this, this, this term psychosomatic illness, and they really dumb it down to think, well, it's just an inner head. It's just imaginary. It's not. No. You know, right. the, the, the brain is such a powerful thing that, it, you know, you can measure it in people's blood work, you know, their cortisol levels and things yes. like that. And when those internal conflicts are resolved and a person, you know, is experiencing God's love in a very real way and believing it, I mean, God loved them all the time, but they didn't, you know, they didn't always believe it. Um, That changes, you know. That internal conflict just relaxes, and the body can can concentrate on healing itself. And she's been through that. And now, now I'm in in Uganda. Last week, I'm listening to you know one of the pastors at one of our schools saying that he's been leading people through you know freedom appointments, and and their health changes. Yeah, I was like, wow. I had just been through that with my own daughter. You know, seeing seeing that change, and knowing, you know, when 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 there's peace on the inside, you know, peace has dividends.
1: You're preaching yeah. to the choir, Dave. I mean, that's Beth and I, we, we str- I mean, we strongly believe that. And I just, I've, I really love what I do for a living as a physician, but I truly believe that a lot of the illnesses that I see are, you know, self-inflicted. Not, I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean that, you know, the power to heal comes from within us. And. And if you can tap into God, tap into that spirituality, that love, that love that comes from both the universe and from the people around you. And if you give out that love too, you, will get it back. And I think that's very powerful. Yeah. That's really I mean,
2: powerful. Just, just the just the aspect of forgiveness. That's one of the mm-hmm. seven steps is going through is forgiving people that have wronged you. Yeah. Because, you know, on the one hand, we receive forgiveness from God when we, we go to him we have to extend that to other people. Mm-hmm. And when you do finally let go of those people and give them back over to God, there is so much help that comes from that. Yeah. That, but it's, it's hard work, you know, and you have to have right thinking, forgiving somebody doesn't mean that you agree with what's happened or that you're letting that person, you know, that, that it, it was okay. It's, it wasn't okay. It wasn't the okay. things that were done to my family were absolutely not okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, but they happened. Okay. There's a, there's a stone in my field, which I can't get rid of. And, and that, that stone is that God loves me. Okay. And I can't plow that stone away. I can't get rid of it. I, it's something I, I believe to the core of my being. Okay. And a horrible thing happened and God loves me. Okay. So how yeah. do we deal with this? You know, it's, you know, my, my wife and I lost twin girls. Our first, first pregnancy was uh-huh. twin girls and, and we lost them at six months
3: mm-hmm.
2: and God loves me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. So how do you process this? You know, how do you how do you let God be God? Let Him continue to love you through that process, you know, and, and to just receive grace and mercy and peace ultimately and healing from Him. Um Yeah, hard things happen in life. You're not getting away you're not getting no one gets through this life unscathed. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's hard true. things are gonna happen. And it's planet Earth, no one leaves here alive, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you're you're yeah. gonna go through hard things. And we we want we want to believe that because i am i do have a, a relationship with god you know through christ that that my life is everything's going to go perfectly in my life and that's not what he says you know romans 8 he says you know hunger and nakedness and sword and these things won't separate us from the love of christ but he says in all these things we are more than conquerors not mm-hmm. from all these things we will be relieved but in them in other words them. you're going to go through these things you're going to go uh, through them
1: amongst them you know within
2: them in the yeah in the Melu of life yeah in the midst of hunger and nakedness and peril and sore, yeah. Yeah. you know, we're, we are more than conquerors.
1: There's meaning and suffering. You know, I mean, I, I, you said that, and I really, I truly believe that. And and yet, you know, I know as a physician, I can't just tell somebody that who is suffering, you know, I, I have to be there and, and get in there with them in that hole and, and try and help them out and help them in the way, you know, and, and just try and let, let them help them find it in themselves, you know, and cause you know, we don't always have the, the strength and the, and the, and the skill that you had to go survive on the Island for that time, was just amazing, you know, but I think that, um, that those of us listening who don't have the skills that you do, we can still, we can still tap into that energy, still tap into that skill.
2: Well, his strength and grace are available right now for whatever you're yeah. going through. Yeah. yeah it yeah. doesn't really matter. It's still I was almost said I don't care what you're going through right now. It, it, I care that you're, that a person is suffering, but regardless of what is actually happening, He doesn't change, and you know, well, like the way I say it is: if you're, if God's landing heavy blows on you, go into a clinch. You know, just hug (laughs) up, (laughs) go into the clinch. You know, hug back. (laughs) That's where you find. That's where you find release. You know, go in as close as you can and hug him as tight as you can. That's I
0: love it. That's the way it works. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome.
1: Well, we we really appreciate your 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 story and your um and your life you know I, I really feel like um we can learn a lot and, and what, what i want to know um and you know for me and for our listeners is how can we find out more about your ministry and about you can you give it and we'll put all this in our landing page but what are some areas that we can find you on the on the internet social media things like that
2: uh, i'm trying to stay off of facebook as much as possible anymore my, <laughs> I, I hear I, you yes every, yeah every time i go on i can feel my iq just <laughs> you know, and I, I don't, um, I'm not really big on social media anymore. Um, okay. You can find me. I have my uh, Dave McIntyre Wilderness uh, website. That's okay. if you want to book for speaking or, or something. I, I'm still speaking all around the country. Uh, Wonderful. With the, the alone experience, a lot of the material I, I talked about today. Um, uh, or you can get in touch with me at, at Set Free, uh, USA. Well, wow. you know, I I'm with right you, there.
0: Dave. I don't do social media, but I have enjoyed this interview so much. I am in awe of the work you're doing. And I feel so blessed that you agreed to be a part of the show today. But I actually have one more question before we go to commercial break. Um, how do you, important do you think it is that people kind of prepare for a bigger vision quest and challenge themselves, you know, not only spiritually, but physically and mentally?
3: Hmm
2: preparing yourself, I would say, keep a short account with God. You know, we all have things in our lives we know are not, uh, are, are are not right. And to just to give those things up and to just to walk humbly with Him, and, uh, just experience his grace and his forgiveness. And, uh, you, you you draw close to God, you're going to find grace and forgiveness and not to, you know, look at things that, that we think are are wrong or, or difficult going through, um, he's planned those events and nothing comes to us that hasn't passed through his hands first. All right. So that's, that's the thing that the, the, there is meaning in these things. There is meaning, um, seeking him. Um, I, I can say I've never, I've never experienced a blessing. He hasn't dragged me into kicking and screaming. You know, I, <laughs> there you go. I, want, yeah. I don't like change. I. You know, alone. I never, I never presumed I was going out there to win. I knew God was going to do something with me out there, but uh, you know, He dragged me kicking and screaming through 66 days out there, and uh, yeah, and, and blessed me. Um, I, now, what I'm not saying is, you know, this prosperity gospel thing is not a thing. You know, just just because you do solid business with God, and uh, doesn't mean He's going to cut you a big check. All right, that's not um, okay. that's not a thing. The, the suffering is in the cards for for a lot of people, but. Um, in the midst of it, uh, finding him in the midst of those things and really learning to, uh, to trust him and, and to love him in the midst of all that. Uh, there's no greater thing. There's yeah. no greater strength you can have than to know you are weak and the strength is available in him.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, Dave, thank you so, so much for, aim taking the time out of your day i know your time is precious um and and talking with me and dr clithero today and again just thank you so much for being a part of our show and with that we are going to go to commercial break and we will be right back
1: i want to get back to being in my community group
2: i want to continue having a soccer season so i can throw parties again (laughs) <laughs> so, I can go to her parties.
1: <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change.
2: So, I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID 19. What will yours be? Visit getvaccineanswers.org for information on the COVID 19 vaccines. Was so it's up interesting, to you. A Brought a to you by the Ad Council.
0: I know. I just want to hang out with them. And I, you know, and I've told you, and I think that um, our listeners, our regulars know that I'm really, really into kind of learning about survival skills and living like a minimalist lately. So I, yeah, that was pretty powerful.
1: I, I just think about putting myself in that situation. And I just can't imagine that, you know, I can't imagine that, um, being on your own for 66 six days, having to fend for yourself. I can't, I can't even, I can't even get my mind around it sometimes. What a, what a great story.
0: I know. And then just relying on his faith and then, you know, the stories and I mean, just what an amazing, beautiful man. I, I'm really glad that we have met him and had him on the show.
1: You know, I, it's just interesting how it comes up in my life time and time again, Beth, that um, suffering, you know, that he used the word suffering and you know, one of my favorite books, and I really think everybody should read it, is Victor Frankel's book, um, "Man's Search for Meaning." Um, it, it, you know, written about his time um, in the Holocaust, and um, and you know, just that connection to God that you get during times of of difficulty. That you know, we try so hard to avoid those times, and I do too. But yet, in retrospect, sometimes those are the times you feel most connected to God, and. And if you don't believe in, you know, don't believe in God, you know, but just that, that spirit, that the universe, the spirituality of the universe, that love, you know, whatever you want to call it, there's that, 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 that area outside yourself, which I think to me is so impactful for your health. I mean, he, Mm -hmm. he talked about it. I think that's one of the paths to health. And that's, is that, is that search for meaning in times when you're maybe not at your best.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's kind of that old adage, stress is a killer. So let's take that even a, a step further. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I know we're running out of time, um, but I want to thank all of our listeners, you know, coming back week after week, and I want to encourage you Yay. to check out the other shows on Up to Me Radio, you know, like us on Facebook. Check out the other amazing shows on Up to Me Radio. If you have any questions, you can always email us, and we will answer any questions about health or wellness or fitness and nutrition or about past shows. Scott and I will make sure we answer those emails. So until next time, have a healthier day.